God's grace is yours in Jesus. Amen. God's word for our meditation today recorded in John chapter 15, reading from verse 9. Christ is risen. Over the last five weeks, we've been considering how that fact that Christ has indeed been risen from the dead impacts our lives today. We've considered the hope that Christ's resurrection gives us in spite of uncertainty, how it puts peace in our hearts, how it drives out fear, and how as we are connected to Jesus, the true vine, it produces fruits in our lives. Today, we're going to look at one more way that Jesus' resurrection impacts our lives, and that's through the love that it leads us to show to others as a reflection of His love for us first. Our theme for today is simply this, resurrection hope lives through love. We'll look first at God's unconditional love for us and then our unconditional love for others. Our text for today is a portion of a larger discourse that Jesus had with his disciples on the night before he died. He's already washed their feet. He celebrated the Lord's Supper with them. He told them that he was going to prepare a place for them and that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And he's told them that as long as they stay connected to him, they will bear much fruit. He then goes on in our text to describe what one of those fruits will be. He begins with these words. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Isn't that a powerful statement? To think about God's perfect love that the Father showed to his Son from eternity, the love that that God the Father expressed for all to hear at Jesus' baptism and at his transfiguration, when he said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The father loved the son with a, with a love that we cannot fully comprehend. And now Jesus loves us with that same love. He says it very bluntly. As the father loved me, so I have loved you. Do you realize how critical it is for you to know that Jesus loves you? What what a huge impact that fact has on who you are and who you will be. On this um, Mother's Day, it's not unusual for us to be thinking a little bit about someone who loves us. Mother's Day is a chance to maybe do something loving for our mother. What'd you do? Gave her a call, sent her a card, maybe made her breakfast in bed next year, right? 
But Mother's Day is not just a chance to show love to mom as much as think about what our moms have done for us. What's the most important thing your mom ever did for you? The one thing that impacts your life like nothing else, that one thing that was always there. For me, the most important thing my mom ever did for me was she loved me. Even when I wasn't so lovable. My mom's love, for the most part, was unconditional. That means her love did not depend on my behavior. It, didn't, it wasn't conditioned by what I looked like or how I acted or what, what I even smelled like. I mean, I, I think of the time I, I, I caught a skunk and I brought it home in a gunny sack. And the whole time home, I was think, as I was walking home, thinking, you know, it doesn't smell that bad. I'm getting kind of used to it. Until I walked in the kitchen, and the look on my mother's face told me, no, you're wrong. <laughs> you reek. Did my mom stop loving me? No. She loved me enough to scrub me down with tomato juice to get the stench out. Even though I wasn't all that lovable that day, I was still loved. I expect that the same thing is true for every one of you. Somebody loves you, whether it's your father, your mother, unconditionally, even when you misbehave, right? Even when we've done things that hurt our parents, that, that disappointed them, they, they maybe loved us enough to, to, to hold us accountable for our behavior, maybe disciplined us, but still in the end, loved us unconditionally. I don't know about you, but I think that kind of solid foundation of a parent's love is vital. You, you maybe have read about what happens when, a, when an infant is not loved, when an infant is not held, an infant is not touched, that infant fails to develop properly, fails to thrive, sometimes even dies. Well, contrast that with the child that is held and kissed and caressed and, and cuddled and snuggled the child that is, is rocked, the child that is, is bounced on the knee, the, the child that hears words of affirmation and encouragement and, and love, how, how critical that is for the development of, of that child. There's no measuring the impact. In fact, it reminds me of a, of a Facebook post I saw recently. My... My daughter posted a picture of my grandson and, of course, received tons of comments. People said, oh, congratulations, and, and uh, we're so happy for you, and oh, he's so cute. But the comment I most appreciated was, he's so loved. Far more important than how cute he is 
or how strong or how healthy or, or what a great fisherman he's going to be someday <laughs> is how loved he is. Loved by his mom and dad. Loved by his grandpa and grandma. But most importantly, loved by his God. The God who spilled blood for him. The God who washed him clean in the water of baptism. The God who promises that he will never leave him or forsake him, but will cause everything to be for his eternal good. My friends, you realize that that child is you, too. God loves you unconditionally. His love for you is not dependent upon your behavior. God doesn't wait to see if, if, if you behave before he loves you. No, what, what does Scripture say? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's unconditional love. God's love is not strengthened by our obedience, and it's not weakened by our disobedience. It's always rock solid. It's unconditional. But now maybe you're thinking to yourself, if that's true, if that's really true, that Jesus' love is unconditional, then why did Jesus say what he said here in our text? Look at that again. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. What does he mean by that? If you remain in my commands. Is he saying, as long as you behave, I'll love you. As long as you toe the line, or, or the flip side of the coin, if you don't, no love for me. No. That is not what Jesus is saying. Look closely. Now, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, remain in my love. You hear the distinction there? God's love for us, Jesus' love for us is just as certain as the Father's love is for the Son. It's rock solid. What's not so certain is how we will respond to that love. Will we hold on to it? Will we remain in it? In Jesus' statement, God's love is not conditional. Our behavior is. Will we cling to God's love or will we walk away from it? You remember that was kind of the choice that faced the prophet Jonah. God had commanded Jonah, go preach to Nineveh. Would he do it or would he walk away? If you know the story of Jonah, you know he didn't just walk away. He ran away. Did that mean that God didn't love him anymore? No. 
God still loved him, loved him enough to send a big fish to swallow him, to rescue him. And inside the fish, Jonah comes to his senses and realizes what he's done. In fact, he confesses about himself these words. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. When people feel separated from God, it's not God who moved. God's love is rock solid, even for sinners who run away. Wasn't that the point of Jesus' parable of the prodigal son? Remember when, when, when the son demands his inheritance from his father while his father is still alive, which basically means, Dad, I wish you were dead. Did dad stop loving him? No. When he took his wealth and squandered it in wild living, when he was knee-deep in sin or pig slop, did his father stop loving him? No. And how do we know? Because of how God responded, how the father responded when the son returned. He, he wrapped his arms around him, right? He forgave him. Even though for a time... The son didn't want to remain in his father's love. His father's love did not change one iota. You realize the same thing is true for you and me today. When in sin or selfishness, we want to do our own thing, when we turn away from God, God doesn't stop loving us. When sin separates us from God, it's God's heart that's breaking. And when by God's grace we recognize that, that we recognize what a mess we've made of things, when we realize we don't deserve to be called God's child, what does God do? He does what he's always done. He loves us. He forgives us. He assures us that we are his dearly loved children. Or to use an illustration that takes on new meaning for me, God is like a father who holds his infant son in his arms, and he loves him, even though the kid has just filled his diapers. That's what God does for us. That's all we do is fill our dirty diapers, right, with our sins. And God just keeps loving us. In fact, he does what we can't do for ourselves. He cleans us up. He puts a new diaper on us. He, he dresses us in white, Jesus' righteousness. And that's what ultimately changes us from the inside out. It's what motivates us to then take that love that he's shown to us and reflect it in our love for others. Or to put it another way, God's unconditional love for us empowers our unconditional love for others. Isn't that the connection that Jesus makes here in our text? Jesus tells his disciples, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. 
In other words, the the love that Jesus has shown to us not only motivates our love, like, like John said, we love because he first loved us. It prompts our love. It also serves as the model for our love, right? Jesus says, love each other as, in, in the same way as I have loved you. What does that mean? Well, it means to love others unconditionally as God has loved us unconditionally. In other words, that doesn't mean saying, well, you know, if, if you love me, I'll love you in return. If you're, if you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. If you respect me, I'll respect you. If you think like I do, if you are of the same political party as I am, as the same ideology, if you act and think and do what I do, then I'll show some care for you. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus loved his enemies. He prayed for those who persecuted him. He served those who could not return the service to him. Jesus' love was completely selfless. And that's what he calls on us to do as well. The question is, what does that look like in our lives? Let me give you a couple examples. Maybe there's someone that you know who is just done you wrong. I mean, said something, did something to you that just hurt. And, and worse, it's like they don't even care. They're, they're oblivious to it. They, they, they don't care about your feelings. What would it mean to love that person as Jesus loves you? Would it mean saying, I'm, I'm not going to let this go? Or would it mean saying, Father, I forgive them because you have forgiven me for so much more. Or maybe there's someone you know who's just needy, always wants your attention, always has problems that they come to you, they need money, they need help, they need advice, and, and you're thinking, what should I do? Would the Jesus thing be to say, I, I don't think you're worth it? Or would it be to say to them what Jesus said to you first? Namely, come to me, you who are weary and burdened. Call upon me in the day of trouble. Cast your anxiety on me because I care for you. And friends, every day of our lives, we face situations where we have the opportunity to reflect Jesus' love to others, to love as he loved us, to forgive as he's forgiven us, to serve as he's served us, all unconditionally. And when we do that, we reflect the hope that Christ's resurrection has put in our hearts. It's like we said at the very beginning. 
resurrection hope lives through love. And that love is motivated by Christ's life for us. It's what motivates us to say and mean, Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Amen. Please stand.